Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and another scripture we'll look at is just a couple of pages over. 2 Corinthians 2. So they're just kind of one page apart. But we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, this is part one, introduction to the power of thanksgiving. We're going to talk about the power of thanksgiving. Uh, I've never heard many sermons on this, or teachings on this subject. I can think of a couple in my entire life, and I've been in church since I was that big. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, we we know. You know, you know, if we say, "Is it important to give thanks to God?" Obviously, we would say, "Yes, Hallelujah, Amen." And and obviously, after we've had a prayer answered, uh, you know, or, or we've received what we were believing God for and what we asked for. But um, I've been listening to some uh, CDs by Keith Moore on this subject. And I'm telling you what, this is some life-changing revelation. And would to God I had known this. Years ago, when, when I was in what I call my eating Irish, cold Irish stew out of a can days, uh, and I didn't have enough money for a bus ticket in London, would to God I knew uh, about this the, the power and the revelation in this subject, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So uh, we're going to begin uh, part one today and just see how far we go on it. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Here in chapter 15, Paul is talking about uh, a lot of good things. He's talking about the resurrection. And when, when he gets over here to kind of uh, verse 51, 52, he starts talking about the rapture of the church and uh, the trumpet's going to sound and we're all going to be changed. Amen? Are you looking forward to that? No more wrinkles. No more trying to lose weight. <laughs> no more aches and pains. Uh, that's that's something to look forward to. Amen? Amen. Uh, and how long is it going to take for this to happen? In, in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. I don't see, I forgot to ask for my little chart. But the, the Greek word uh, here translated this whole phrase, in a moment and the twinkling of an eye, is the translated from the Greek word in atomo and it means in an atomic second in an atom of time that's how fast this is going to happen we are going to be changed in an atom of time so uh, he's talking about some good things here uh, he gets down to verse 55 he says oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory he's he's taunting death he, he's getting, you know, sarcastic, and he's, he's taunting death. Uh, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
And then in verse 57, let's read this out loud together. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you just turn the page over to 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says almost the identical same uh, phrase. Uh, it says basically the same. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Uh, you will notice in both of these verses the word uh, thanks, victory, and triumph all occur together. Thanks, victory, and triumph are all mentioned in these verses together, and there's a reason for that because they're all connected. Uh, and he, he goes on here to talk uh, and says, uh, Thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor or the, the smell of his knowledge by us in every place. Uh, the King James uses the word savor or um, odor, I think, in some places. The NIV, I think, uses the word um, fragrance. Yeah. Uh, but he's, here he's talking about, um, he's not talking about physical smells. He's talking about spiritual smells. And victory has a good smell to it, doesn't it? Victory has a good smell. Defeat uh -uh. <laughs> has a bad smell, doesn't it? So, the Bible uses a word to describe both good and bad smells. And, and God wants us to have a, a fragrant smell. He wants us to smell like life. He wants us to smell like victory. Uh, you know, people either smell like life or they smell like spiritual death, don't they? Sometimes you just, you just around people and they've got this spiritual smell, you know, there it's either life or death. And um, so he says, thanks be to God in both verses. So we're going to find out that these words are much, much more than just a polite phrase or just polite manners. That That is not what uh, really he's referring to here. Obviously, we should say thank you you know, uh, after God blesses us and after he answers our prayer. But we're going to find out there's much, much more uh, power in giving thanks to God. Now, um, there, there's been very little teaching on it. And uh, Keith Moore was saying, as he was, uh, he mentioned, as he prepared to teach one day in Brother Hagen's Bible school, he went in this little room uh, and just closed the door just to be quiet, you know, and prepare himself uh, to get ready for this class. And he was just sitting there being quiet, and the Lord uh, asked him a question, just spoke to his heart. No audible voices or anything, but he just spoke to his heart. And he said, how would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? And he, he said, I didn't have to think about that for five seconds. You know, I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to think about it. 
he said, yes, yes, and please, yes. And I believe God is asking us the same question today. How would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from God? What's the response? Yes, yes, amen. Same, same here. So that's not something we have to think about or pray about. Now, this question uh, that he asked reveals something about our capacity to receive from God right now here on earth. And it tells us that our capacity to receive right now on earth is not unlimited. Not everybody is in the same position to receive the same things from God. Everybody's capacity to receive is not the same. And that's, you know, kind of obvious just by, by looking around. And it's not because God is a respecter of persons, and it's not because God is playing favorites. The limitation here on earth is in our ability to receive. Now, uh, you know, I've experienced this personally at times, uh, there have been times when I wanted to bless somebody with something. The Lord put it on my heart to give them something or to bless them with something. And they either reluctantly received it or they didn't receive it at all. There are times when they did receive it, but, there, but times they reluctantly received it or they just couldn't receive it at all. It's too expensive. You need it worse than I do, you know. All these, all these reasons, you know, it's too nice. What should be the appropriate response when somebody wants to bless you? Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. But for some reason, sometimes those seem to be the two most difficult words in the English language for people to say, you know. And... Unfortunately, in, in some cases, religious tradition has beat people down with unworthiness uh, and, and false humility, you know, and uh, every time somebody tries to bless them with something nice, uh, what difference does it make how much it costs? You know, it's not costing you anything. <laughs> you know, if, I, if the Lord puts it on my heart to give you something, it's not costing you anything. So, so it, it doesn't really, that, that really doesn't enter in. But if people uh, won't receive something, there's really not much you can do about it, is there? Really not much God can do about it. And, and uh, I just use that example because sometimes we can be the same way with God. Uh, write this down if you're taking notes. We can only enjoy what we are able to receive from God. We can only enjoy what we are able to receive from God. Could it be that God wants to increase our capacity to receive from Him? Yes. And in order, amen. And in order to do that, something has got to happen in me. So, we don't 
all have the same capacity to receive from God, but we do all have the same potential to receive from God. So, uh, you know, we're, we're all at different levels. Uh, you know, you take people, um, you know, if you just took all the Christians here in Guilford, would they all be able to receive everything and anything from God? No, because they would all be at, at different levels of, of faith and so forth. And there's, you know, everybody has a choking point where they choke. You know what I mean? If, if you know, I, I might could say the, the Lord, you know, this prompted me to, to give you 20 pounds. And you say, well, praise God, thank you. But if I said the Lord's prompted me to give you 2,000 pounds, you know, well, are you sure? <laughs> you know, we just located your choking point, okay? You know, so, so um, somewhere is our choking point, and we all have different choking points, but we... We want to get to the place where we don't have any choking points. Amen? Amen? And we can increase our capacity to receive from God. Now let's turn over to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And this psalm is talking about the first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egypt. Did they receive all that God had for them? No. They died young. They died hard. They lived a hard, difficult life out in a barren wilderness. And it was not the plan of God for them. If you read the account of it over in Hebrews 3, we're not going to turn there, but Hebrews 3 talks about uh, that whole event about how they did not enter into the promised land that God had already provided since the foundation of the world. He picked it out for them and, and, and already had it provided for them. Uh, verse 40 says, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? They provoked God and they grieved God. Their response to his goodness, blessing, and provision displeased God. That, that's what it means by they, they grieved him. He, he wasn't pleased that they would not go in. Uh, and what what grieved him? Well, verse 30, 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God. So they did two things. They turned back and they tempted God. That, that grieved him and it provoked him. And by doing that, what did they do? They limited the Holy One of Israel. Is it possible to put limitations on God? Yes, if it's According to the Bible, yeah. Some people, you know, would say, well, God is limitless. He can do anything. But we can limit what he can do for us. So we are the limiting factor. Our faith, our vision, or the lack thereof is the limitation. 
So, so we want to expand our capacity. We want to get these limits off and we want to expand our capacity to receive. We know God has bigger and better for us. He wants us to go forward. He certainly doesn't want us going backward. He doesn't even want us just staying in the same place, maintaining the same territory. He has much more for us to receive from him. And that is basically the purpose of these meetings, is to discover what God has already done for us and how to receive it. I mean, it, some people don't even know what God's already provided for us, but even if you do know, if you don't know how to receive it, you know, you're, you're, still, you're still stuck. So, so that's why we're here. He has more revelation, more anointing, more life, more strength, more things, more opportunities, and he wants us to bear more fruit in every area. Now, God's will is already established and revealed in his word. So God's ability should not be in question. Amen? <clears throat> but it's been 2,000 years since Jesus went to the cross, and there are still Christians arguing and debating over God's ability and his will to do all of these things for us. The limitation is with us. You know, I can be able to give something to someone, and I can even desire to give it to them. But if they don't receive it, they're not going to enjoy it. And that's exactly what happened to that first generation of Israelites that, that came out of Egypt. Uh, it was their ability to receive it. Now, um, you know, some, some people, they think they're being humble or, you know, they're being spiritual by not accepting something expensive or nice, you know, but, but they're not. They're, they're cutting off their blessing. They're cutting off my blessing and anybody else that God might lead them to give that thing on to. It's just like when Jesus said about, you know, bless the household, but if they don't bless you back, you know, isn't it? Wipe the dust off your yeah, feet, yeah, you know. they're not receiving it. Yeah. And it, yeah. it. It's a channel. God wants us to be channels of blessing, and all it takes is for one person to say, sorry, I, it's too expensive or it's too nice. I, I can't receive that. And they've blocked my blessing, they've blocked their blessing, and anybody else on down the line that could have been blessed by that. So that's a serious thing. Um, so, this is much, much more than just polite manners. Giving thanks in faith is a powerful spiritual force that connects you to the victory in the present and in the future. Now, uh, in our text scripture here, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 2, uh, I mentioned we see all three of these words here, victory, triumph, and thanks. And most people, most of us, uh, you know, we even socially, we've been taught to say thank you. You know, not, not everybody in this generation has, but most of us in this room, we've been taught even socially to say thank you. But, um, you know, uh, we're talking about 
learning and realizing the power in giving thanks before we see any evidence of what we're believing God for. Many people, they, they want to reserve their thanks till they see it, till they hear it, or they feel it. And he says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word gives here is present and it's future. This is ongoing. This is ongoing thanks. We need to be thanking God before any manifestation of what we've asked for. And uh, we need to continue to thank God even before we ever see anything or we ever feel anything or we ever hear anything. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Does God want us to have victory 20% of the time? Or 40% of the time? Or 95% of the time? No, he says always causes. That's present, future, and ongoing. Always causes is present, future, and ongoing. He's talking about faith. And we know from Hebrews 11:6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. And that's that's what happened with that incident over there uh, in the wilderness. Uh, they, you know, they were in unbelief. They were not in faith and God was not pleased. It says it grieved him that they would not receive what he had uh, already uh, planned and set aside for them. We know that without faith, you can't even be saved. You can't receive healing. You can't receive, you can't get your bills paid. I mean, without, you know, without faith, it's impossible to, to receive from God. So that's why it's such an important uh, force. And we know from 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world even what? Faith. Our faith. Amen. Our faith. Our faith is the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, which is our faith, which is the victory. Um, if, if you uh, ring up someone on the phone and uh, you say, what are you believing God for in this situation? Uh, and they know exactly what they're believing God for. They have prayed specifically. They've gone to the Word. They've got scriptures for it. They're not wishy-washy. They're not undecided. They're not double-minded. They can tell you exactly what they're believing God for. And you say, I can do that for you. And I'll bring it to you in three days, or it will be in your bank account in three days. Now, if that person knows you, and you know them, and they know that you are truthful, you are faithful, you have never let them down, what, if they said, well, when you bring it over, I think I'll reserve my thanksgiving till you bring it over, and then I'll thank you. Or when your check clears the bank, I'll send you a thank you card. 
Is that the right response? Mm -hmm. No. If you, if you know somebody has the means to do what they said they would do, and, they, and you know they're truthful and they're faithful and they have never lied and you've known them for years, you should immediately go into thanksgiving mode. Amen? Mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't be reserving our thanks because, you know, you're not putting any confidence in their integrity. Uh, you're not trusting in their uh, ability or their word or anything. You just want to see some evidence and then you'll, you'll thank them. That's not faith. Amen? That's not faith. Now, if you were a stranger and you called them up on the phone and said something like that, then that would be understandable, you know, for them to say, well, maybe you can and maybe you can't. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if, if, if you know them and they know you, they don't need to be waiting to give thanks. Amen? So, God has given us His word of promise. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has said with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. He has said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He has said, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What are we waiting on to thank him? Amen. Do we need we've got his word. We've got his word. We don't we don't need to be waiting. We don't need to see any manifestation. The time to start giving thanks is before we see any manifestation of what we're believing God for. Now if you turn over just a few pages there to Philippians 4, it says Verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. When we earnestly ask God to do something special for us, we need to match it with earnest thanksgiving in advance. In advance, it says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Does it say, with complaining, let your requests be no known unto God? <laughs> no. It says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So, we immediately go into thanksgiving mode. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Does it require any faith to say thank you afterward? No. No? It's, it's appropriate. We, we do give thanks, but it doesn't require any faith. If we already see it and we feel it and we got it in our hand, it doesn't require any faith to say thank you afterward. Waiting till we see it is unbelief. If you have to wait until you see it to start giving thanks, then, then you're not having any faith in uh, that person's character or integrity or God's character or integrity. Faith says thank you before. 
So, what are we waiting for to go into Thanksgiving mode? Nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. If we believe what God said, and we believe what He told us, the time to begin giving thanks is right now. Amen. This is a spiritual force that puts things into motion that connects you to the victory. Genuine thanksgiving from the heart before you see the answer is a release of your faith. This is a release of your faith. Uh, I heard uh, Keith talking about this uh, minister who wrote a book. Called, he, he, he knows him apparently. But he wrote a book called Thank You for the Biscuit. And... Uh, he was from a big family uh, in the South, in, in America, and uh, in hard times, people mostly ate cornbread because it was uh, cheap, it was readily available, and people could grind the corn themselves. So they mostly ate cornbread, and biscuits were a treat. Uh, Buttermilk biscuits, not cookies, but like scones, kind of. A scone-like biscuit. That, that was a real treat because that wasn't so plentiful. Flour wasn't so plentiful, so that was kind of reserved for Sunday dinner. And uh, so his mother would make this big, big pan of biscuits for Sunday dinner. And he was the smallest one, and he said... Sometimes, by the time the plate got around, you know, they would run out. Or he would see the plate coming around, and he could see by the time it gets to me, you know, I, I may not get a biscuit. But they had a rule at their house. Whoever was the first one to pipe up and say, thank you for the biscuit, got the last biscuit. It didn't matter if there were seven older brothers in front of you, you got the last biscuit. And, and so he, he recognized the spiritual truth in this. And he, um, so he wrote a book about it. So, um, you know, it didn't make any difference if, uh, you know, five older brothers were between him and the biscuit, how do you get the biscuit? Thanks. Thank you for the biscuit. Amen? Thank you for the biscuit. When I was walking, when I was walking out to the car this morning, I was saying, thank you, Lord, for the biscuit. Because <laughs> I'm just getting into this Thanksgiving mode. Amen? I don't, biscuit, whatever. I'm just, I'm just thanking the Lord because this is such revelation. And, and um, if, you, if we believe what God said, we need to be saying, thank you, Lord, for the biscuit. Amen? Thank you for the healing biscuit. We don't wait till we see healing. We say thank you for the healing biscuit when we... When we we be worrying about then... God's peace comes on us, yeah. as the word says. Yeah, amen, amen. That's, that Philippians went on there to say, and the peace of God, 
which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so um, in his case, that was, that was physical bread. Now, God has prepared a table for us. In Psalm 23, it says he has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So we know that table is right here and now. That's not talking about a heavenly table because our enemies are not in heaven. We don't have any enemies in heaven. Our enemies are down here, and we have enemies to our faith. So uh, God has prepared a table for us down here already, just like he prepared a place of abundance for the Israelites. And God's table is not a bare table. It's a full table. It's an abundant table. And we know one of the things on that table is bread. Didn't Jesus call healing the children's bread? You could say the children's biscuit, couldn't you? <laughs> you know, healing is a children's biscuit. Thank you, Lord, for the biscuit. So we know the oil of joy is on the table. We know the wine of the Spirit's on the table. And it all belongs to us now. Everything we'll ever need. But if we allow distractions and uh, symptoms of lack and pain uh, to, to overwhelm us, we lose sight of what God's already done for us. And we lose sight of all these good things that he's already prepared for us. But, uh, you know, or, or we try to get into works and we start striving and clamoring to, to try to get what we're believing for. But all you have to do is just say what? Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for the biscuit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, Let's turn to 1 Samuel. Everybody say thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel. Chapter 1. Um, this is the story about Hannah who became the mother of Samuel through a miracle. And this lady wanted a baby just about as bad as anybody ever wanted a baby. But she couldn't. <clears throat> you've, I'm sure you've probably read this story before it's it's you know less than a whole chapter here we're not going to read it verse by verse but um this lady she had a good husband she had a good life um they didn't want for anything but year after year went by and she never had a baby and she got to the point where she felt like that life was not worth living anymore and I guess in today's society you might say she was almost suicidal 
beside herself that she could not have a baby. Now, some people might say, well, Barb, in verse 5 and 6, it says, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, if you go to Dake's annotated Bible, it says this, it was customary in those days to attribute all such conditions to God, but in reality, they could have been caused by a number of things as in cases today. Now you have to keep this in mind when you read the Old Testament. The Old Testament people attributed everything to God, good and bad. They had little to no revelation about Satan at all. And there really was no reason for God to give them any, or any revelation about Satan because it, even, if even if they were aware of him, there's nothing they could have done about it. They, they had no power over Satan. Satan was running rampant on this earth. These people were not born again. Jesus had not gone to the cross and destroyed Satan and, and taken all of his power away from him. Satan was running on this earth rampant, and those people could do nothing about it. So there was really no reason for God to give them any uh, revelation about it. So they assumed everything that happened, happened, it came from God. And Job made the same mistake. That's what happened to Job. He made the same mistake. And uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians today that believe the same thing. They believe everything in the whole world that happens in their life. God's behind it. You know, God, God, God's allowing it to, or causing it to teach them something. They're going to learn some spiritual lesson, you know. Did, did the Israelites learn anything? No. They just learned how to die, didn't they? Did it make them stronger? All that difficulty they went through, it didn't make them stronger, did it? They died. So, so that is error. It's religious error. And this lady, uh, she has, uh, you know, she, she, she doesn't know. She, she thinks the Lord is, you know, is behind this. Um, and, and because that's what it's, you know, it's what it says here. But for years, she's gone to church, she's cried, and she's prayed. She's cried, and she's prayed, she's cried, and she's prayed. Why, God, why, when, God, when? Why, why can't I have a baby? When am I going to have a baby? On and on and on. And she's come to the point where she feels like life is not worth living because of the one thing she does not have. And this pity party has been going on for years. The Bible doesn't tell us how long it was, but it's obviously gone on for years. Uh, because it, it talks about here in chapter 1, it says, you know, year after year, her husband went up and made this offering, and, and this is how she carried on. So we know it went on for years. Her husband tries to console her. Uh, 
you know, he takes her out to eat to nice restaurants, he buys her nice things, and, you know, he tries to do things to make her happy, and every time he, anybody looks at her, she bursts out crying. I mean, she, she just cries, cries, cries every time somebody looks at her. And he even got to the point where he said, hey, sweetheart, why do you cry all the time? You got me. You know, you got me. Why are you up? Why, do you need anything else? I mean, how could you possibly want anything else? You've got me, you know, and even that didn't cheer her up, you know. She's still sobbing. So, uh, you know, nobody isn't enjoying life in this household because of the one thing this woman does not have. She prays and she cries and she begs God for a baby. And this goes on year after year. And because she has become so focused and so obsessed on this one thing that she does not have, she has totally forgotten all the good things God has already given her and blessed her with. What do you call this? Unthankful. She has become unthankful for all the wonderful things God has given her because she is so focused on the one thing she does not have. Now, I realize in this time and culture and, uh, you know, society at that time, condemned and ridiculed any married woman that did not have children. And in some cultures, it hadn't changed today. It's, it's still that, you know, it's still that way. And I can guarantee you the woman always gets the blame. You know, it couldn't possibly be the man, you know. The woman always gets the blame and the shame. So, so we have to, you know, we have to cut Hannah a little bit of slack here, you know. Uh, but there is a spiritual cloud hanging over this entire household. She, she cries at the drop of a hat. They sit down to eat, she cries. He takes her out to eat, she cries. She cries at home, she cries at church. And this has been going on for years. Is this normal for a believer? No. Somebody out there in the world, they got a right to be hopeless. They got a right to be helpless. But this woman is not hopeless and she is not helpless. She has a covenant with God. But she's totally lost sight of that, you know. So, is there a place between being thankful and being unthankful? Is there a neutral zone in between those two where you are neither thankful nor unthankful? Mm-mm. There's not just some vacuum here in between where you are neither thankful nor unthankful. We're either thankful or we're unthankful. Now, when I'm talking about being thankful, I'm talking about being thankful for the good things God's already given you. I am not talking about being thankful for the sickness. I'm not talking about being thankful for the problem. I'm not talking about being thankful for the 
adverse circumstances. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not, we know where that comes from. It does not come from God. We're not giving thanks for the problem. When we talk about being thankful, we're talking about being thankful for what God's already done for us and what he's going to do for us before we even see it. Amen? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being thankful. This lady has much to be thankful for. She has a covenant with God. She has a nice house. She has a good husband. She eats well. She has nice clothes. You know, she's in good health. Does any of this mean anything to her at this point? No. She, she has, she's not thankful and appreciative for any of these things because she has become so consumed with the one thing she does not have. For years, she has been miserable and she's made everybody around her miserable. And she thinks she's being spiritual in church by crying and begging and wailing all the time. But she's missing God. But one day, something happened in her. Something happened in here one day. She's at church again, crying, wailing, and begging. <laughs> I, bet, I bet that priest, when he saw her coming, you know, he just, he said, here's the box of Kleenex, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, he must have been exasperated when he saw this lady coming. Does, does the Bible say, come before the throne of grace wailing? No. Does it say, come before the throne of grace sobbing? No. No. It says, come boldly before the throne of grace. That, that means we, we go before God like we know who we're talking to. We know who we are. We're not poor orphans. We're not hopeless. We're not helpless. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We belong there. We're not arrogant, and we're not pushy, but we, we, we know that we're joint heirs with Jesus, and we know we belong there, and, and we have a right to be there. Is begging and wailing and pleading, is, is there any faith in that? No. There's no faith in that. So, God... You know, God did not want to hear her complaining and her wailing. He was waiting to hear something or for her to do something in faith. That's what God was waiting for. Now, I heard Charles Capps say one time, he, um, he had gone to God with some problems. And, and he had been going to God, you know, day after day, regularly with the same problems, rehearsing the same problems over and over and over. Kind of like this lady, but he wasn't, he wasn't crying and sobbing. He was just going to God, rehearsing these same problems all, day after day. And one day, the Lord spoke to him in his spirit, and he says, What are you doing? And he said, I'm praying. He said, No, you're not. You're complaining. <laughs> and he said, I would appreciate it if you would stop coming to me, telling me what the devil said. Yeah. And Charles got the message. 
he, he stopped that and he said, he said, I saw God wanted me to come to him with the answer to my problems. What, what does the word say? You know, what does the word say about your health? What does the word say? You know, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Ask, believe, receive, thank God, go on your way. Amen? God was waiting to hear some faith. You can write this down. Faith never feels sorry for itself. Faith never feels sorry for itself. Now, I understand there are times when all of us, you know, we, you know, we go through something, something touches our heart and our soul. Maybe we've done something and we feel bad about it and we want to repent and, and we do. But it shouldn't last very long till we get the victory. Amen? You know, even if a loved one passes away, even if they've lived to be a, a long, full age and they've lived out all their days, you know, when they, when they pass away, it, it touches your, your heart and your soul. You know, it, it, you have a, it's normal to have a, a, a few days or a little period of time there where, you know, you have grief and you miss them and so forth. But it should not go on week after week, month after month, and year after year. That is not normal. And, and it is not okay. We don't stay there and, and live there uh, in a place like that. We, we pray through, we get the victory, we get up and we talk faith, and we give thanks. Amen? You know, praise, praise God. You know, praise God I had my mother, whatever, she lived to be 91. Hallelujah. You know, let's be thankful for that. Amen? I know where she is. I ain't lost her. I'm going to see her again soon. You know, let, let's go. Let's move forward. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so we don't stay there and live there in, in these places. Now, Hannah's in church again, wailing and crying. And Eli says to her, Lady, are you drunk? <laughs> you know, are you drunk or are you just, you know, what, what's the problem? You know, you, you come in here and you use up my Kleenexes every day, you know. What's the, what's the deal, you know? And she says, no, I'm not drunk. I just wanted a baby all my life. And I just don't know why God won't give me a baby. I fasted. I prayed. I stood. I just don't see why he doesn't give me a baby. And if he doesn't give me a baby, I'm just going to die. You know, and she's just, you know, she is just distraught, you know, about this. You know, if I can't have a baby, I just want to die. And in verse 16, uh, she says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Notice that phrase. Abundance of complaining and grieving. Abundance 
of complaining and grieving out of her heart, and she's calling it prayer. She thinks she's being spiritual. Has all this complaining and depression, crying, sobbing, wailing, has it produced any children for her in all these years? No. Do you suppose it had anything to do with the fact that it hadn't already happened? <laughs> could, is it possible that it could actually have prevented it from happening? But in verse 17, Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou asked of him. And this lady took that as if it was God speaking to her, and it was God speaking to her. She took that as the Lord telling her, go your way, what you have asked for has been granted to you. And suddenly she thought, oh, okay, I got it. Thank you. And she goes home. And for the first time in years, she sits down and she eats a meal with her husband without crying. And it says in verse 18, So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. She counts it already done. She took that word as a word from the Lord. I have granted you what you've asked for. And she took it, and she's finished crying, and she's finished praying about it and she's getting on with her life. And when you believe God has granted what you have dreamed of all your life, what are you going to start saying before you see anything happen? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you Lord. Amen. I'm not waiting until I got it in my hand. I'm not waiting until I see it. I'm not waiting until I feel it. Thank you, Lord, it's granted to me. When she stopped crying and complaining and focusing on what she did not have, it happened. Samuel was born. And I, I've heard of several instances personally where, you know, people couldn't have kids and they stressed and they stressed and they clamored and they, you know, on and on and on. And finally, when they just said, forget it, we're getting on with our lives, and they started adoption proceedings, boom, it happened. And all this tight and worked up and, and stressing and complaining and striving, you know, your, your body and your mind are connected. Uh, we're not going to turn uh, to all these scriptures, but, uh, you know, Jesus operated this way in his ministry. You know, there were, a, you know, a number of times he said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. What does go your way mean? It doesn't mean stand around and wait for something to happen, does it? <laughs> no, it means... Go. You, you've got what you asked for. Go. Get, get on your way. Go on with your life. Praise God. Matthew 8, 13. We won't turn there. 
but you can write it down. Jesus, uh, you know, the centurion that came on behalf of his servant. Jesus said, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Do you think the centurion said, Well, when I see it happen, I'll come back and I'll thank you. <laughs> no, I don't think he said that. I think he said thank you, and he turned and he went his way, and he was thanking God all the way back home. And what does the Bible say? And his servant was healed in the self same hour. Hallelujah. When you believe it's already done, you're going to start thanking God right now. Amen? I'm telling you, this is a powerful revelation. This is a life-changing revelation. Luke 17, the ten lepers. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, what? Go show yourselves to the priest. In other words, go on your way. Okay. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, what happened? They were cleansed. Amen? And the only one who came back to give thanks to God was the only one that was made whole. Do you know what that means by made whole? It means all the other all the other nine lepers were healed of leprosy. But if they had an ear missing, the ear was still missing. And if they had three fingers missing, the three fingers were still missing. And if half of their foot was gone, the foot was still gone. They were healed of leprosy, but they weren't made whole. The one that came back and gave thanks, he got his ears back, he got his fingers back, he got his toes back. He was not only healed, he was made whole. Mm. Hallelujah. The only one that came back to give thanks. What about John chapter 6? Jesus has got 5,000 men plus their families scattered all over this hill and nothing to eat. And somebody brings him a little boy's lunch. And what does Jesus do? He holds it up and he gives thanks. He hadn't said anything yet. He hadn't fed anybody yet. He hadn't seen anything happen yet. He's not just thanking God for this little boy's lunch. He's thanking God for feeding this whole 5,000 plus people, and he hasn't even seen anything happen yet. Is that faith? That's faith. Amen. What about Lazarus? John chapter 11. A lot, lot more people out there crying and wailing and carrying on because of what they don't have. And, you know, uh, one of the sisters came to Jesus and she said, Jesus, if you were to come when we first asked you to come, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> and they've been crying ever since, you know. And Jesus stands out there in the middle of the cemetery. And he hadn't even said anything yet. And he's looking at death in the face. And what does he say? Father, I want to give you thanks that you have heard me. 
He hasn't even prayed anything yet. I want to thank you that you have already heard me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before he had seen anything or felt anything or said anything. And when we get our thanksgiving before anything has happened, in the natural, we tap into faith itself. It opens the door for God to come in and change whatever needs to be changed. Amen? Hallelujah. Now let's stand up and let's act on this. Okay? It's a good time to act. Act, act on what we've heard. Act on the Word. Is there something that you have not had? Or you've been sad because of something you couldn't do or something you didn't have? <clears throat> or have you cried and felt bad about it or been depressed and feeling sorry for yourself in some way? <clears throat> now we've all, we've all missed it in this area. Like I said, would to God, I had heard this years ago. Praise God. But we, sh you know, we need to be growing and developing in this area. Amen? Amen. Because this is, this is an area that we have not heard much about. And uh, as far as Hannah, again, I, I give her some, I give her a break, you know, I give her a break there. Because she was not a born-again believer. She did not have the New Testament like we have. She didn't even have all the Old Testament, much less the New. She, she, she might have had three or four scriptures concerning children, maybe. You know, some Genesis, Deuteronomy in there. God promised to bless the fruit of their womb and things like that. She, she could have stood on. But... Uh, she didn't have the Bible like we have it. She certainly didn't have the New Testament. She wasn't born again. She had no power over the devil. She didn't know how to pray Mark 11, 23, 24. She didn't, you know, she didn't know these things. But we are New Testament born again believers. Amen? Amen. And we have a Bible in every room. And we have an internet connection in every room. And we got a CD player in the car. Amen? And we should not be making the same mistakes that Hannah made. We we don't have we sh, we don't have an excuse like she had to be making those mistakes. But when Hannah believed that she had heard from God, she received and she became thankful and she was no more sad. What are we going to do? We're going to stop crying and feeling sorry for ourselves. Amen. And, and thanksgiving is going to enlarge our capacity to receive from God. Now remember the question that we asked. How would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from God? And this is the answer that the Lord gave this minister. He said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. 
cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now, what does cultivate mean? Correct. Yeah, it means it's not automatic and it's not all up to God. Okay? <laughs> cultivate means it's not all up to God. We initiate the thanksgiving. Amen? We put thanksgiving into motion. And when do we do it? Be yeah. Before. Before we see the answer, after we pray, when the answer comes, we're still giving thanks. Amen? And that describes the word lifestyle. Lifestyle is not Sunday morning at church. Okay? <laughs> lifestyle is not five minutes two or three times a week. It's a continual thanksgiving for what we already have and what we have believed God for. And we're not only going to thank Him for what He's already given us and for what we're enjoying right now, but we're going to thank Him in faith for what He's endeavoring to get to us and what He wanted us to have all the time. Amen? Amen. Now, Let's just close our eyes and let's just begin to thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're not orphans. We're not begging. We, we come to you as your children. We're, we're joint heirs with Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love, your faithfulness, your word. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now let's say this out loud together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For being so good to me. For being so good to me. You've done so much. You've done so much. You've given me so much. You've given me so much. And I am thankful. And I am thankful. I'm always thankful. I'm always thankful. For everything. For everything. You have already provided for me. You have already provided for me. That that I am enjoying. That I am enjoying. And I'm also thanking you. And I'm also thanking you. For everything you provided for me. For everything you provided for me. That I have not yet enjoyed. That I have not yet enjoyed. I am confident. I am confident. You will cause me. You will cause me. To be completely fulfilled. To be completely fulfilled. And completely satisfied. And completely satisfied. Yes, you will do. Yes, you will do. Exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly abundantly. Above everything. Above everything. I ever thought. I ever thought. Or desired. Or desired. Or asked for. Or asked for. It is coming to pass. It is coming to pass. It will surely come to pass. It will surely come to pass. I will not come short. I will not come short. I'll not be left behind. I'll not be left behind. I will not lack any good thing. I will not lack any good thing. But I will be perfect and entire. But I will be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.